Hey everyone, and welcome back to College Conversations. I'm Jeff Sherrod, and today we're digging deep into the world of leadership development in biblical higher education. What does leadership development look like for students that are at school and they want to develop their leadership skills, their capacity as leaders? In this episode, I'm joined by my co-host, Greg Garner, who is the president of the Institute for GOD in Nashville, Tennessee, and by one of my fellow professors at the school, Benjamin Reese. Together, we explore the process of developing leaders during college. We talk about leadership crises, uh, the impact of technology, even on mentorship in that process of becoming leaders, the timeless relevance of Jesus's leadership model. It's a conversation that goes beyond just simple leadership maxims. I mean, it really touches on those kind of authentic connections, the need for personal growth, and the integral role of experiential learning even as we're learning to follow Jesus along the way. Uh, so before we jump into these conversations, just a reminder, your support support fuels our mission. If you enjoy College Conversations, remember to subscribe and leave a review on your preferred podcast platform. Your feedback means the world to us. Now let's get into the episode. This is College Conversations. Hey everyone, and welcome to College Conversations. My name is Jeff Sherrod. I'm joined with President Greg Garner. Hello. Today we also have with us Institute Professor Benjamin Reese. Hey. And today we're talking about leadership development in biblical higher education and the role and responsibility that colleges have in developing leaders. Talking about leadership development, I mean, this isn't a novel idea. It's an area that a lot of Christian colleges and uh, universities focus on in terms of the things that they want students to have when they graduate, you know, by the time they graduate, evidence, leadership skills, or leadership capacity. But I, th- I think it is an important area because many people perceive our society to be in a leadership crisis. Uh, research from the Barna Group notes that four out of five people affirm, and nearly half of them strongly affirm, that society's facing a crisis in leadership because there's just not a- enough good leaders right now. And this is mostly young people saying that. Uh, these studies also note that large percentages of students feel like they don't have good leaders themselves who model or mentor or even are accessible. And this is true, especially like in church settings. So I guess my question, Greg, and I wanted to throw this out to you, just this question of like, you know, do you think that we're in a leadership crisis? What's the role of Christian higher education if that crisis is real, to do something about it. Uh, you know, one of the quotes I was looking at earlier was someone was talking about how the youth of this generation, you know, are they're, they're tyrants, they don't listen to their parents, but then you read who it's from, and it's like Socrates, 400 BC. Mm-hmm. You know, is like, is this one of those things that we're saying, kind of it's always an issue, the, a, a leadership in crisis, and we just, we always make it something? Or do you think there's really something happening when we're talking about a leadership crisis, especially in the church. I mean, it is heartbreaking when people are like, I don't have leaders who are accessible and that mentor me uh, and that model leadership. Yeah, wow, that's a lot to think <laughs> about. I, yeah, I, I don't think it's a new problem at all. Yeah. I think it is something that every generation has to contend with, but I doesn't... I don't think that minimizes the issue. Right. It's funny because we do have history and information that recounts to us a version of that history. And when we evaluate history, we sometimes can feel like we are more a part of that history than we actually are. Hmm. 
there is like this aggregate wisdom over the course of time that we've been able to proverbially step on the shoulders of giants and advance and yeah certain areas i think most notably for us it's like technology and and maybe other other systems that required some kind of like knowledge that someone needed a, a boost on in order to advance it. I, I, yeah. And that's why schools of thought have existed, you know. Um, but for Jesus even, he saw a leadership crisis in his day. Yeah. He observed that the people were helpless and afflicted and they were like sheep without a shepherd. And so he told his disciples that they should engage God in prayer in such a way that laborers could be sent out so that they could harvest what it is that God is doing with people. So you got two analogies there, and you have yeah. to kind of couple of them, right? So the laborers would be the shepherds. So Jesus wasn't just asking for people to develop capacity to harvest something. He was highlighting that people are like sheep and sheep are like wheat and yeah. they need harvested, they need lead. He, he describes their condition as needing help because they're helpless, needing protected because they're afflicted, and that it was going to be through the course of discipleship and prayer mm -hmm. that the kind of leadership would be developed in a person so as to participate with God in the harvesting of those sheep, if I right. can cross <laughs> yeah. and analogize. Mixed metaphors, yep. <laughs> so I think it's it was a concern for Jesus in his day, it, it, but it was also a concern for the prophets in their days. Yeah. And then it's going to be a concern for every generation. In that case, I don't think we have to feel like it's an emergency hmm. or that it's, um, something, anything more than something that could be put into our anticipatory institutions that attempt to resolve foreseeable problems. Yeah. Mm. So, for example, we have to make sure our kids have a number sense and can read coming out of school because that will be a problem when they're an adult if they can't do that. Right. So we created an education system that foresees that issue and then in advance attempts to provide the tools to solve it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I think that maybe the variability of leadership has to do with the diverse constructs within our cultures to even accept the social games that um, create our leadership concepts. So one of the things about Gen Z is that they, um, having been exposed to mass media on the social media side of things, are used to saying things and not being responded to. Right. So like they can follow huh. like an influencer, Ed Sheeran posts a new song, they're like, love you, Ed. That was so heartbreaking and healing at the same time. Ed may never read that. Yeah. Right. But I bet that person feels like their voice was heard. Right. And so there are these mediums that exist now where you have large constituencies of people 
quote unquote having their voices heard, but there's actually no one on the other side of the phone, is it? Yeah, yeah. There's nobody there. There's no construct Hmm. to require a response. Even shoot today, you could program your chat GPT to be your auto responder. Yeah. So that someone puts a review on Yelp and immediately it's like, well, thank you, Mr. Shared, for your feedback here. We're always doing our best to accommodate our customers. And it's unfortunate that you had cold food served at your table. But next time, if you come in, just remind us of this post and we'll make it right. We strive to do the best for our customers. (laughs) And unfortunately, sometimes food comes out cold for various reasons. Look forward to seeing you and it not even be a human being. Right. But for our generation, that might have sounded like great leadership. Mm-hmm. That was a robot. Yeah. You know, it was artificial intelligence. So I think that they're, the, every generation is introduced with new considerations that are related to whatever's emerged in that lifetime that require people to, especially those who are involved in the training of leaders, which should be schools and churches. Right. Uh, they, they, they now have to take into consideration those new facts so as to more effectively train yeah. uh, leaders. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's an interesting, almost like the professionalization of leadership or just boiling it down to because there is, pretend, let's just call it fake or pretend access or imagined access to the best leaders in the world. And you can, yeah. you know, directly DM them or whatever you can do. Or, you know, you're not getting a response back, but you felt like you did. Or you can watch a video of the best teacher in the world. You know, I wonder if, like, one of the things I was, I came across recently in other statistics, they were saying, like, in 1992, the average age of a pastor um, was, uh, what was it, 40. Uh, 50, uh, 47 in 1992. And then in 2017, it was uh, 57. So it had gone up you know, 10 years in that time, probably for a lot of reasons. There's churches that are closing down. Uh, and so you know, maybe it's just the ones that are left have older leaders because they've been in the game longer. But it made me also wonder, like, you know, maybe because of that, even with churches closing down, there's just people that are less accessible uh, than maybe they, they were. And so people are finding leaders that maybe don't have they don't really have some form of real access to, but they do have an imagined access to them, whether it's through online church uh, or through social media, you know, all those kind of venues, but it, they're not actually mentoring them in any kind of productive way. Follow me there. So you're saying that one of the responsibilities of leadership is to, particularly church leadership, is to mentor their congregation. And because the average age of pastors is now 10 years older after 15 years. You're putting together that there is a lack. It made me, I mean, I don't know all the reasons for that. It made me wonder like, you know, probably there's churches that are closed down, you know, the churches that have not closed down. It sounds like nobody added to the pastoral census that they just aged. Right. You know, if it's from 2002 to 2017, or did you say 92? 92 to 2017. years. Right. So over 25 years, the median went up 10. You know, that just just says that maybe probably, I don't know, 
There's so many reasons yeah, that so could happen, reasons right? Churches, happen. churches decided, hey, we're going to implement a retirement program and create pensions, and we're going to adopt what we've seen in corporations because now we have the finances to do that because we have some stability. Maybe the the mega church phenomenon that burst on the scene in the early 2000s had um, a, a lot of guys retiring out of the business world and moving yeah. into the pulpit, uh, like with Willow Creek and and the, those other types of Saddleback, those models of churches. Maybe, I don't know, there's so many, yeah. I, it's hard for me to um, make any kind of conclusory trajectory as a result of a stat like that. Yeah. So I, I guess I just want to know, like, what is... What is it that you're you're wondering? My, I guess my, my question is, and this is what spurred my thought when you were talking about that people might find some form of leadership in social media that they don't actually have access uh, to. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I definitely think that happens. I was I met a, a gentleman who came to our church the other day. He's from India, sweet guy, and um, he was actually appreciating my my teaching in church, and and he just said he'd never heard anything like that. Hmm. But it, he was like it was a great teaching. And he's just excited to keep coming back and hearing teaching like that. And I said, well, you know, growing up uh, in India and having your teachers, who were your teachers? And he goes, oh, yeah, I, I had I had some great teachers. One was T.D. Jakes, hmm. and then the other one was, and um, I'm forgetting who it was, oh, Kenneth Copeland. Yeah. Hmm. And he talked, he talked about them as though they came to his church. Right. But they were, as you, you know, I continued to inquire, they were on YouTube. Yeah. So I have seen evidence of people feeling like they've been taught. And I have also heard people talk about like being mentored by these virtual mastermind groups where you get into like a yeah, Facebook group and Yeah, and a mass course and you have some influencer or or person of notoriety who is now teaching you and then you say I was taught by and you right. name that person. Yeah. So we we even when we talk about networks and grouping the social media nomenclature uses the same vernacular, right? Join our group. Yeah. Uh, be a part of our network. Hmm. Come into our room, our vir- you know, their virtual rooms, virtual groups and virtual networks. We just drop the virtual. Yeah. These days. Yeah. And I, I think it just translates over. People just say, yeah, I'm in a network with, name the influencer yeah yeah i wonder like in in thinking through that you you mentioned that it's the responsibility of the church and schools to train leaders thinking from the perspective of a young person thinking about going to a christian school do you think that going to a christian school is necessarily a um an education in leadership or what about the young person who's like i don't leadership doesn't seem like my thing is following Jesus, does it require um, an interest in becoming a leader one of oneself? That's a great question. And I think because we don't define leadership too often, and because our culture, depending on what social game we're in, yeah. usually makes a leader the either the person on the top or the person with the most responsibilities or the person with the most authority or power. And and uh, I I would say maybe even like extroverted gift sets. Mm-hmm. Uh, that question arises. Yeah, where I believe that a biblical definition of leadership 
would be more inclusive of varying personalities, mm-hmm. including the more introverted types. Yeah, because I know when I went to uh, go to college, I knew I wanted to get into ministry, but I was like not a pastor. I just, the that idea of being a leader in that capacity was of very little interest to me, just for my personality. I didn't like standing in front of people or like the idea of leading people was just sort of frightening. So, but I didn't know where that placed me, but I was like, uh, I'll fig- try to figure it out when I get there. Yeah. And, and you know, there were a couple things going on. One was you were young and in that case you were pretty fluid because mm-hmm. we know for a fact now you do just great standing in front of people yeah, and yeah, teaching yeah. and talking. I got tricked into it. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it can be discouraging, right? Especially if you don't have the kind of leadership that could push you beyond your own station. Right. Like you believe yourself to um, be something as a young person going into college. You need that other person to lead you into who you can become. And even that person's belief in you helps you get there. Yeah. Hmm. Today, I know that people are looking for that. That's why they pay for those Instagram, TikTok programs to be mentored by someone. Right. But that transactional... Um, experience there kind of um, de-authenticates the uh, more organic, visceral, and proximic yeah. uh, relational development that seems to be necessary for a person to really receive the benefit of having learned from someone. Otherwise, you're just like hacking processes and thoughts and ideas Mm-hmm. I was talking to a, a group in just my previous meeting before this podcast, and and um, it was it actually came from a preacher that I had when I was in high school, and I uh, my my formative years, junior high and high school, I, I went to a predominantly African American church, mm. and had some awesome pastors, and <laughs> they were pretty dynamic, and and always had like really like uh, catchy ways of communicating a concept or an idea. And he communicated that when it came to Jesus' disciples, one of the reasons why they need to be around him and one of the reasons why he needed them around him is because while everyone else could hear him teach things, not everything could be taught. Some things need to be caught. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. uh, he, you know, this is one of his things. And I don't know if he came up with it. Maybe you heard it from someone else, but it stuck. And I think there's some truth to that. Mm-hmm. That... If you're, if you believe that leadership development is only on the other side of a curriculum, or some kind of process thought consideration, uh, you really are programming AI at that point. Yeah, but we are not an artificially intelligent um, entity or or biological. We're a biological life form that that is is a uh, legitimate in and invariable and variable at the same time, like we are paradox. And uh, there, there is something about the human soul that does catch things hmm. just because it's in proximity. Like right now, uh, we're talking and everybody hearing this podcast, they will only benefit based upon our ability to articulate. Yeah, Our ability to articulate, even if we were to put it into categories of like, how performative are we? In that case, how entertaining are we? Um, how profound are we in that we are reaching 
heights of thought that are outside the scope of what they've been able to to reach. And then, and I guess profound would be deep, you know, I should mix my metaphor again, how yeah. deep we're trying to go. And then uh, finally, uh, how culturally relevant are we with mm-hmm. the choice of words that we have and in appealing to a broader audience instead of mainly merely an academic one. But it's only thoughts and words. Yeah. Right. Where right now us sitting here in this room, you're seeing my hands waving in the air as I'm talking. I'm looking at your eyes, raised eyebrows, nodding heads. Mm-hmm. We have all these nonverbals, but not only that, there's like an energy too, right? Sure. Yeah. We're literally passing frequencies to each other. When I talk, you're not just hearing the frequency, you're feeling the frequency. Mm-hmm. And and it, it it's coming in so many like nuances that we can't capture through the digital medium. Yeah. And so we're not just merely being programmed when we're in the room with each other. There is an actual authoritative experience Mm -hmm. that is shaping us because we're sharing the same air, because we are um, literally having all of our faculties exhilarated by one another's presence Mm -hmm. in some form or fashion. And, And... in that case, Jeff, I, I don't think that Jesus intended for us to develop virtual leadership that then could mentor us into the kind of people that harvest humanity, which should challenge our concepts of discipleship, even in an online forum. Sure. Hmm. Which I know we do an online yeah. Uh, yeah. Model, yeah, for students, and we've talked and thought and prayed a lot about it, because, yeah, because of these reasons, yeah. And we recognize that this is the culture, this is where we're at. Yeah. People need that, but it's definitely a stepping stone. You, you've got to get with somebody that you're you're ready to follow, right? You're, and 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 I think even that is tricky. I think I think now because the internet has made it like in the '90s, you had like really spiritual people. Even in the early 2000s, shoot, they're around today, but. Um, I don't hang around with them as much. <laughs> but I remember coming up that there were these people who had a direct channel to God. Mm-hmm. And so they didn't need to talk to anybody else because yeah. God told them. Right. And um, it, 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 it gave them a confidence, but I often viewed the confidence as an arrogance right? because they didn't need to have a conversation. I had questions. Mm-hmm. How, how is this rooted in scripture? And what do you do about the way you're going to impact a bunch of people through making this decision? Like, but for them, they had the direct line because they were mentored and led by the Holy Spirit, God himself. And then they would give me their little proof texts. And that was so hard and confusing. I think people will do the same today yeah. with our new virtual gods or mentors or virtual right, right. leaders. And they're going to be like, and I, I read the book of so-and-so, went to his clinic um, sat under his teaching, and um, I feel good about what I'm going to do next. Hmm. Not recognizing that there, there, there's something missing there that God intended for us to have as human beings. Yeah. How can you say you love God who you don't see when you don't love your brother who you do see? Mm-hmm. So the test there is that you actually have to have some kind of contact with the person. Right. Yeah. Of course, they weren't seeing each other at that time through Zoom. They're seeing each other in person. And so like there's your love for God is going to even be developed through your capacity to love the people you're in communion with. Yeah. Every, every like 
I feel sorry for the person who's being mentored or led by a virtual personality or a disconnected personality because they're never going to get the wonderful experience of having that person fail them, mm. having that person let them down in expectation, right. yeah. having that person having to apologize because they said it wrong, right. having that person introduce to them the concept of a learning curve because even though they had all the confidence in the world, they weren't right because yeah. they were still learning and they were just a few steps ahead of that person. Like you don't get all of that yeah. authenticity. Yeah. And you become a weaker person as a result. Right. You know, like yeah. you, you become now a person who's, who, who is being programmed for the automated ideal rather than being a part of God's creation where human beings are uh, all fall short. Right. Yeah. Cause you have to be able to, and I think that's part of, you know, that modeling as well is that, cause you know, Jesus does that so well throughout it they're so in touch with his life but if if we're only accustomed to what people post which is typically successes um or what they write about in their books which is their idea that they've tested but then they never get to see the things you're talking about like these that's also a form of leadership development because people are going to fail all kinds of times in their life and they're just going to be disqualified because they're going to have their feelings hurt so badly that someone disagreed with them yeah that they can't actually you know, function like, you know, I think that's another thing is that they, they have to develop some kind of toughness to be able to see someone get knocked down and still going. Yeah. Uh, and you have to be around that to, to see that and see that someone can say that hurt my feelings. And that's still, that's okay to say so, someone hurt my feelings or, you know, just being, being human and the way that God made us is, is it's fine. It's who we are. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think that many young people don't even uh, think that leadership includes a uh, element of mentorship, like even in the cultural metaphors that we use, like you're a sheep or you're a follower. It all has negative connotations because we think that being a follower is Mindless. a diminishment of a part of ourselves, rather mm. than an opportunity for somebody to teach us how to think th th through things. That it could following somebody could actually be. Uh, increasing our capacities, which I think most people uh, think of following as some sort of negative thing now uh, related yeah. to like, Yeah, right. Even though we, again, the nomenclature exists in our virtual mediums, like you follow that influencer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> like literally that's sure. the term that's used. <laughs> right. right. But if, if, if I was to tell you guys, hey guys, follow me, you'd be like, what a weird, I think <laughs> right. our culture would be, what a weirdo, who does he think he is, Jesus? Yeah. Right. But, but if, I, if I send, a, I don't know, um, I, I put a YouTube out there and say subscribe below or follow me on my Instagram or follow me on TikTok. Yeah, people were just like, "Yep, we'll do." Yeah, sounds good. Yeah, it is funny to think about that meta, meta social media metaphor being applied to discipleship terms. I'm just like imagining young people being like, "Yeah, follow Jesus." I check in with them every once in a while, see what he's up to, or <laughs> right. just like, I don't know. But I, that's what's tutoring young post. people, yeah. right? Yeah. Like uh, uh, nomenclature is so fun and vernacular is so right. funny because the the subsequent generations typically don't know the etymology of the words that they're implementing, right? Into their daily use. Right. So for example, one of the things I love talking about is saying like, um, hey man, where's that file on your computer? Oh, it's okay. I have it on a file on my desktop. The person does not actually think about a, a wood desk Mm -hmm. that existed when the programmers first created the nomenclature for the software. <laughs> yeah. right? And and 
They don't picture that there were files in manila folders that are shaped mm -hmm. just like the ones that are iconically graphic onto our computers, even mm -hmm. though they're blue, right? Right, or whatever color we can design them as. They don't. They, they're not making those connections in their yeah. mind. There's no visceral connection to the word, so they 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 think desktop and it's a it's goes to the computer. Yeah, and it's it's like a concept with no grounding. Yeah, I saw an instructional manual that was trying to teach people in a long time ago how computers worked and they were trying to explain the concept of scrolling to them. So they had like a visual with a roll of paper and they're like, it's like pulling down a roll of paper and seeing more of the paper to try to get them to conceptualize what scrolling on a document is. So, you know, just what you're saying, we've totally lost touch with the physical connection of what these these technological yeah. things are. Yeah, with with the result, and this is with the result that if we're not careful, that same kind of nomenclature when you come across following the Bible. Yeah, you'll, we just we just don't. That's what I'm trying to communicate. Yeah. If you don't yeah. if you don't get that the terminology that's being just gosh thrust upon you through the very popular social media mediums, uh, if if you're not being conscious and critically analyzing them, they can carry over into how you hear. Hmm. That same word used in another context. Yeah. So that when Jesus says, follow me, we're not getting like a first century context for the concept. We're instead getting a 21st century, which, gosh, there are people out there who follow a thousand people. Yeah. But in Jesus's day, to follow him, he's pretty personal about it. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, he's like, he's like, um, if you follow me, then here are the conditions for following me. And they include some pretty extreme things that some of us know about, picking up your cross daily, mm -hmm. deny yourself, but also that you're going to gather with him and not scatter against him, Yeah, that you're going to take on his mind. Like there's so many things yeah. that wouldn't work the way we use the term follow, because today follows a little like, um, like it, there's, there's no um, commitment to it. Right. Because I can unfollow you at any time. Yeah, just as easy, yeah. Where in his day... Uh, gosh, to unfollow him, it's betrayal. Yeah, right. right. Yeah, you can't follow multiple people in this metaphor that no. Jesus wants to use like yeah. you can on social media. Yeah. Maybe you like something from this guy, you like what he's saying here, but not this, and you choose to follow this guy as well. Yeah, and I think that along with that, we're only following people insofar as they benefit us in our world, right? It's like we're yeah. saying, like, I'm getting something from you. It's a new piece of knowledge or something interesting. But as soon as that stops happening, we're like, I'm kind of out on this right now. Yeah. And that's where, you know, when we're saying pick up your cross, you know, deny yourself. You know, this is not <laughs> this is not the kind of following Jesus is talking about. Yeah. Uh, there's going to be something different in there. You can't just be like, well, Jesus is, you know, I used to do that in my younger years. It's not the thing anymore. And and let's be let's be direct about this. If we're going to create a model for leadership as people who follow Jesus, then he's it. Yeah. Right. So it's not like we have to synthesize one. Right. Yeah. Right. Like you were talking about the piecemeal thing. I follow this and I like what they have to say here. And I follow this one. I like what that was. Like he is the image of the invisible God. He is the good shepherd. And we have to allow God through his son to give us the model that becomes the curriculum for leadership development. Yeah. And if we, if we are, doing what I see so often happening in leadership curriculums, which is deciding based upon data 
studies mm-hmm. that these are the needs that exist in communities and this is the way in which people have had the most success addressing those needs. And now we're a Christian school, so we're going to take these texts and tell you, here's the Christian way to make that happen. Right. We're, 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 we're missing the greatest gift we've ever been given. Yeah. We, we know Jesus. Right. And so uh, I, I think any effective leadership curriculum is just going to get people to know Jesus. Yeah. All the more, and then to get them to love him so much, they want to be like him because hmm. they're they're they're, you know, you you emulate what you love, right? Right. There there are things you're just not ashamed of when, when you're actually you feel good if someone goes, man, you you kind of like you seem like Brian McKnight, man. I I'd, I'd fall over. <laughs> someone yeah. told me that, you know, yeah. I'd be like, oh my gosh, the best I ever got was Michael Jackson, and I felt pretty cool. <laughs> that's about that's that. pretty awesome. Yeah, you should, um, you should feel but it's like. It. We should feel great to imitate, and the problem is if we just don't know how we led or what that looked like, yeah, then we don't we don't answer the question appropriately, right? Yeah. So I think a, an effective effort by the church or by Christian schools is going to have Jesus as the one who helps us to understand leadership, and it can't be the the secondary effort. You can't be like. Um, Hey everybody, we're gonna open up class today with a, a, a ten minute reading on Joshua, who's a great leader. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, here's Joshua's great leadership. He said, "Because me and my house are gonna serve the Lord, so as a leader, serve the Lord with your household." Mm-hmm. Now let's get into the good stuff. It, right. it, it can't be like that. It has to even challenge that good stuff. Yeah, it has to say, "Hey, this is the most. This is what's most relevant right now in the business world with respect to organizational leadership and management. And this is the model, and this is how they implement it, and this is, these are their ideas. Now, what is, what is it like in Jesus? There's a conflict here. Jesus trumps. We can't be doing things like this. Yeah. yeah. It, it, it should be the, 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 the filter by which we um, take in any of these concepts. Right. But if we're not spending a sufficient amount of time because we feel like, we're hacking the system by getting the best leadership tips. Mm-hmm. I think we're really doing our job poorly as a Christian institution. Yeah. If, if students were, let's say we have, and this kind of goes back to Ben's question here a little bit, but if a student's coming in, we might have one student that's like, you know, hey, I want to be a leader and I want to serve the Lord and, you know, I, I want to be high impact for God's kingdom. I mean, let's say a freshman person's coming in saying that, but then, you know, we might have someone else that's like, like Ben said, I have no interest in leadership at all, but I definitely want to serve the Lord. I'm interested, Greg, how are you hearing, are you hearing both of these as, I mean, everyone needs to learn, right? Like, regardless of whether you're going to be the person that maybe is more naturally inclined or has a personality to want to be in charge, um, or you're <laughs> the person that's like, I don't ever want to be in charge of anything, I just want to help out. You know, what's the, what is the room within Christian colleges for both of those, is it, I guess I'm saying that both of them need to be challenged, right? Because no one, everyone needs to learn. But then I, I guess my, I'll just start my own preference here and I'll see what you think. I, I, I do want people to come in with some sense of, not come in, but have some sense of ambition. Like, and recognize, like, if they start with a position that says, I'm not interested in being a leader, I think I want to challenge that and be like, yeah, maybe not in all traditional senses, but if we're following Jesus, Jesus was a leader. And there's going to be a leadership capacity that you're going to be part of, but also an individual responsibility to be a leader. You're not going to be able to walk away from that This is what I said earlier. Like, we we have to define terms. Yeah, right. And our culture 
usually defines them for us and which requires us sometimes to redefine them. I think uh, a real low-hanging fruit definition of leadership would have us identifying the tiering of responsibilities and like the scope of influence that a leader would yeah. have. And in that case, everyone leads at some point. Right. And has some way of leading, but when we're talking about it with respect to Jesus's calling and his own vision for what society needs in a shepherd to protect and guide people, helpless and afflicted, mm-hmm. then we have to implement a conscious effort to figure out what role we play in that. So as Americans, we're individually inclined to think about responsibility. Hmm. Yeah. Where in the Bible and for Jesus, his teaching leads to Paul the Apostle creating the metaphor of the body of Christ, that there is a group effort in the implementation of the response to these kinds of things. Mm-hmm. And where the head is Christ, who is the good shepherd, we now together as a body can respond to the needs of people being helpless and afflicted. So then you can be a part of a team that leads. Yeah. Hmm. Though you yourself may play a supportive role. Right. You can now effectively say, and people do it sometimes, right? We're the leading school in terms of innovative Mm -hmm. communications for K through 12 or whatever Mm -hmm. it is. Right. You can now be a part of leadership. Now, again, let the Bible define it. Well, according to Jesus, uh, the kind of leadership that he wants to produce through his discipleship is one that is made available not to the increasing of revenues, not mm-hmm. to, or, or merely, because right. it could have something to do with that, but it's focused on people. Yeah. yeah, And it's fo- focused on helping people um, feel safe and, 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 and secured and and also to um, be guided into uh, how it is they could experience life in its fullness. Yeah. So you you want to be a part of a team that that's that's the aim, right? If you're going to be a part of Jesus's trajectory for that, but then again, you can lead in other arenas that have nothing to do with Jesus. Hmm. Sure. And God's not mad at you un- unless, of course, it's like uh, <laughs> evil, <laughs> right? right. <laughs> But there are some very neutral things that people lead in that have nothing to do with following Jesus. Yeah. Hmm. Right? Yeah. Like I can be the, I can I can lead in the manufacturing business for certain widgets and those widgets have nothing to do with with Jesus. Maybe the, the, the widgets have more to do with like the beauty industry. Yeah. yeah. And uh, you can be a Christian doing that and, and God still love you. Just don't say that you're, you're you're leading in the model that Jesus had as the good shepherd. Yeah, right. Just be realistic about yeah. it and humble yourself. But I know our culture has a tendency to to be motivated by a sense of guilt rather than a sense of truth. So it's like <laughs> someone's probably mad at me for that one. Yeah. It is striking that the that passage where Jesus notes the affliction of the people and how leaders for him is defined by people who can address those needs. Because I think that's just so different from how our culture views a leader, which is really somebody who can rise to the top. As an individual. As an individual, and usually create some sort of new 
market for himself, some sort of new source of wealth for himself and then maybe the people people under him that join him in that uh, enterprise or whatever. Yeah. yeah kind yeah. of an, uh, I don't know, like an entrepreneur doing something different and new. But if we're following Jesus, we can't do something that's completely different or new. We have to follow yeah. his, which I don't think many leaders would want to say that yeah. I'm following Jesus mm. in doing this. And then when people do say they're following Jesus, it's important to test that. That's right. Yeah. To test that. like, And it's not a hard test. What did Jesus do is the test. <laughs> yeah. I know that in the, for me, that there's that movement in the 90s based on the book In His Steps, which was the what would Jesus do, mm-hmm. which I thought was folly at the outset because <laughs> it's just like imaginations. What would Jesus do? And depending on my version of Jesus, if he's like a... You know, Santa Claus is going to help people who are naughty or nice, or he's a Boy Scout who's just going to help old ladies cross the street. Whatever my image of Jesus is, I can just imagine it. What yeah. would Jesus do? Well, I imagine he would um, do I re- this. I remember a T-shirt that had WWJD, and then it was Jesus, like a cartoon of Jesus hang gliding. And, I mean, I think that captures the absurdity of it. Like, whatever you want to imagine <laughs> yeah. Jesus I, well, doing. What would he do? He'd hang glider. <laughs> he'd hang glider. <laughs> That's what he'd do. But really... The gospels have been given to us, so we knew what, we know what he did. Right. So it really does get back to what did Jesus do, and when we're able to evaluate his life and look at it and learn from it, it gives us the way. Hmm. And he said that to us; he was the way. So now we know the way in which we're supposed to lead, and everybody can develop that capacity because we've all been given the Spirit of God. Now, again, moving away from individual models, we think about that as a body. How, do, how are we part of a body that's leading? Yeah. And then when you think about leading, not in the way our culture defines it, but the way Jesus does, where you are actually attending to the needs of people hmm. at, at large who are helpless and afflicted, afflicted uh, and, and you're harvesting them uh, into that life and abundance that Jesus wants them to have. I think that just changes things so much yes. that um, even many schools of thought out there with respect to leadership development would be disqualified in terms of their efforts, yeah, they'd be developing a, a different kind of leader. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm thinking, Greg, as um, you know, you, we have had graduates that have gone on and be been part of leadership teams that are definitely you know doing wonderful things for the kingdom of God and and are leading industries and and companies and and, and education and yeah. healthcare, all kinds of stuff. Like, what, so when you're when you're you know for the institute, when you're thinking about designing. Um, leadership development for the college what what are some aspects that like you know that are intentionally going into a student joining this school and um being part of that trajectory to to get them to uh, develop some of those leadership capacities Gosh, step one really has to be putting them in the room with jesus yeah getting them to know god like there's there's just no better way to put someone on the right path to leadership than getting them to spend time with the world's greatest leader in history. Yeah. And we do that through our Bible courses. Mm -hmm. Second is to make sure that they are exposed to people who are on that same trajectory, maybe just a few steps ahead. Mm. And they spend time with them. They get to listen to them. And a lot of what they're going to observe, they won't be able to apprehend consciously and it falls under that cot yeah, concept, right? Because they, you know, sometimes we 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 can't absorb information without 
having the um, ability to label and articulate what it is that we're identifying. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, we're we're sensing it more than we're thinking about it. Yeah. Uh, and then I'd say another another step is that we once people are given a decent enough foundation with respect to their knowledge of Jesus and their experiences with others who are following that way, we help the student become conscious of it. And it's typically in contrast to their culture hmm. because there are so many axioms that we implement as uh, stewards of our culture, even unwittingly, mm -hmm. that need challenged by our relationship with the Lord that um, open our eyes and fulfill Jesus' mission to take us from blindness to sight so that, that we change. So maybe in my culture, being a leader meant being in charge. Mm -hmm. And maybe um, over the course of time through those classes, I get in a discussion where I find out that I feel like a failure because I'm not in charge. And then in the class, we evaluate that up alongside scripture and, yeah. and find out maybe, maybe charge is not a direct indicator of success. Hmm. And, and we find new terms that we care about, like stewardship and yeah. servanthood and um, building one another up. And then, and then we we see certain stories different. Rather than wanting to be Moses, whose whose arms are outstretched and leading the whole people, you realize that Moses couldn't keep his arms up without a couple guys' help mm -hmm. who were standing there next to him. And 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 you stop coveting who it is that you're not. Mm. And 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 I, gosh, if people learn the word and they really get the fruit of the spirit in them, their leadership contribution will emerge. Yeah. It'll be it'll be a natural thing, but there is at a certain point a conscious journey one has to take to again sift out the um the culture, sift yeah. out what's been axiom in there or unexamined in their um idea about leadership and then consciously apply the the word of God which gives us freedom. Yeah. And I, I I think it makes room for all kinds of people. And it's so exciting to me. Yeah. Because we did not make ourselves. Right. Practical example. I, I, I know a guy, who, he's indeed a leader, but he's so soft-spoken. Even when he tries to yell, you you can't hear him. So he's not going to be a leader on the field. Right. Mm. He's, you know, in a live moment where you're trying to implement projects, you can't even hear him yeah. over the noise of traffic. <laughs> like you, you can't hear him. But if you give him a pen and a paper and, and he can create a plan and then you give him a venue where people have, ha have that plan and he can walk them through the plan, he can implement a very complex project. Yeah. But if the model for him of leader requires him taking a class where we're going to teach you how to be loud and extroverted and, yeah. and to be improvisational... There, there is one of our classes where we, we go through this and talk about leaders, and, and I know that the students are actually in the course right now because I saw um, them reading the Shantung Compound, yeah. which evaluates a story that has community building mm -hmm. as a necessity, and you have the natural ascendancy right. of, of certain characters, some of them based upon their previous lives and experience, others based upon their, their current gift 
gifting. Yeah. And you have to ask the questions, you know, what what makes a person emerge in these types of positions? And then you realize, wow, they're, they're, that the natural ascendancy into these positions does require a certain amount of intellect, mm-hmm. quick-wittedness, energy yeah. to a certain degree. Like, And not everybody has it. Yeah, right. resoluteness, I think, is another. Yeah. yeah. It's just like, yeah. And if you don't have that, so what? You yeah. have something else. Mm-hmm. Stop, stop coveting. Stop trying <laughs> to be that other thing. Right. Find out what you have. You were actually talking to me about this the other day, Jeff, and I was impressed because... I know it's who I am, hmm. but it's it's paradoxical to people. And that is that while I am very fast, I'm also very slow. And you were the first <laughs> yeah. person I've known who was, was able to mirror that back to me without me having to initially interface it, you know. Hmm. Uh, and and you were describing the way I lead, actually, that there there is this um like like, like you know I am quick witted and I'm able to come up with things. Yeah. On the fly, but at the same time, I value the timing of things, right? And um, sometimes that makes things slow. Yeah, I was noting. I think one of your 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 great skills that I've seen over the year, years is your sense of timing, like when things are ripe. Um, yeah. That's the term that you use in the past. Like, sure. when do we actually take it off the tree and we're ready yeah. to say, okay, it's ready to go? Yeah, yeah. So it's like for me to tap into the way God made me and to surrender into that has me as a leader, even though I have lots of pressures to pull the trigger all the time, do this, we need this now, we need this now. That's not the way God made me. And if you want a leader who's just gonna always do that, like I'm not the guy, mm-hmm. but the way that God made me, and probably because he's placed me in this position for this season of time mm. and, and believing that I could be the right guy for it, part of that includes me going, hold on, mm. let's step back. Why are we doing this? What's it for? How is this going to impact us over the next? I ask those questions. Yeah, and um, I don't know. I, there are other leaders who are not like that. There are other leaders who have like this kind of very clear vision for what needs to happen next, and they are just like hammering it into existence. Yeah, and I'm just not that. Like, yeah, I'm not that kind. Of, that's not the way God made me. I'm just interested in what everyone else has to say. I care. Like even recently, someone at church did a sermon, and there, and it was Parker. He was like, um, "Greg frustrates me because I want to do things, <laughs> yeah, and just go." Questions for it. always like, "Well, what do other people think?" Yeah, like, oh. and that's that's typically what I do. You know, what's what are what are other people's perspective on yeah. this? Because I I really believe that um, four eyes are better than two, and eight eyes are better than four. And, uh, it gets to be a mess in terms of efficiency if you get more than a certain amount of people. But nonetheless, that's just the way that I I, I am. It's the way that God made yeah. me. Is there some way to grow? Yeah, there is. There's always ways to grow, but mm. I'm going to grow within that trajectory of the person yeah. that God made me. That's right. You know, and yeah. so I think everybody is can develop leadership capacity. You've been created in the image of God. Yeah. So you have it, but again, don't let culture define what that leader is that you're supposed to become. Or you'll really hate yourself, I think, yeah. in the end. Yeah. You know, I, I just... Yeah, you'll waste a ton of time trying to be something that you're just not. God didn't make you. Thanks for listening to College Conversations. If you have ideas for the podcast, including topics or guests, or even just questions you might have, we would love to hear them. Contact us using the link in the show notes. Thanks and God bless.